Yeah. Listen. We gon' do it like this. Yusuf Chadeli, tune in now for all your money. Go out and get it, cause nothing is free. Running in oil and gas company. Houston, Texas, I love my city. Young, successful, and wealthy. Whoa, hustling, grinding, repeat. Entrepreneur, that's who I be. Let's go. Taking care of business. What's up, everybody? Thank you for coming to another episode of Oil Money. I have a special guest today, uh, Jeff Allen of I, Allen I, Energy. Allen Energy. So I wanted to say the Petroleum Club. Also, I big will. proponent of the Petroleum Club. I'm on the board there, president of the Young Professionals Association. I've been a member, gosh, well, since I was a little kid, because my dad was a member. I was on the board as well. So uh, back at the older club at the Exxon building, I was a little kid running around getting in trouble all the time. Now I'm running around getting in trouble as an adult. <laughs> uh, but I love uh, I love the club, but it represents the history there is phenomenal. I'm trying to, uh, w- along with a lot of other members, trying to bring it back to um, the fame that it used to be. Okay, so I, I'm I'm going to ask, right? So, I, and I think I've told you this personally as well, is that I really do like the Petroleum Club. I haven't been there as much as I'd as I'd like to, and I'm and I'm currently not a member there right now. Which I'll, we should change that. Uh, <laughs> I I became a member of the Houstonian instead, which is it's a stone's throw away from our office here. So I was like, you know what, to go to the petroleum club, go over there, come back, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's just a lot easier to just, you know, be closer to the office. However, the petroleum club, there's something to be said about the fact that it's all petroleum based. It's, um, you know, I, I, I guess my question is how do you deal with, there's so many clubs now here in Houston. Oh there's, gosh, I mean, so what many. is it? There's the Briar club over here. There's, uh, the Houstonian, there's the Coronado club. There's, yeah. Uh, there's probably the Houston club. The Houston club there's, I mean, there, and there, then there's the country clubs. So how do you, I guess, differentiate from the petroleum club to all the other clubs? It's a great question. The petroleum club is not only petroleum based. We have tons of different entrepreneurs and business uh, people, everybody from real estate, uh, construction, uh, lawyers, bankers. We have a, a ton of different new members. It's not kind of what it used to be. So I think that's, uh, uh, an age-old idea that it's only petroleum-based people. I wish there were more oil and gas people like yourself there. You should be there. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I've been there a few times, and it feels like a lot of them are lawyers, uh, bankers, people that I'm just like, you know, people I've dealt with. Like, every time you go in the petroleum club, you kind of say hi to, like, 20 people before you even get to your table. But it's um, it's um I've never seen enough oil and gas guys there, which it sounds like you guys are trying to, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah. And so that's what I saw that is a, not a problem, but something that I wanted to change. Uh, I think being a part of a member or a member of a club, just like you are the Houstonian uh, puts you around different, different, different types of people. And the club itself is downtown, which can be a problem for some because downtown Houston's kind of like an Island. Yeah, Um, it really is. Yeah. But for people downtown or people that live near downtown, I mean, it's a steal when it comes to price and what you get. Uh, the bar is what most people like. So you can smoke cigars in there. Uh, not only that, the reciprocal memberships. So the memberships you have with other clubs, especially when you travel, is probably my favorite, uh, as well as just my favorite place to work. You go set up at the bar. You can work there all day. And most of my meetings I host at the Petroleum Club. So it's easier for me as an entrepreneur in oil and gas to just sit there, have coffee, have some cocktails, have lunch, uh, sit at the bar, do my emails, phone calls, and then I can head out. That's perfect. Uh, so man, when you think awesome. about office, how much it costs, which we used to have, my partner, he used to have a uh, uh, office downtown and uh, 
it's expensive if you don't. Yeah, know. no, yeah, it is. <laughs> so it is. Uh, just working out of the Petroleum Club just makes perfect sense. So I guess how does how has the Petroleum Club been affected by COVID in the past, let's say, you know, year and a half now? And, you know, I, I assume, you know, the oil and gas industry in general, we're kind of the uh, I, I don't want to call us we're, we're a little bit I don't want to call us ignorant to the fact that COVID's around because uh, but in general, like how has it affected business? How is are people still coming in or is it kind of back to the normal now or is it, you know, membership dwindling? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Everything's an opportunity. That's how I see everything. I think the leadership of the Petroleum Club sees that as well. And that's why awesome. we've been able to capitalize on COVID and kind of turn it into a good thing. Um, of course, you know, membership people drop a lot. What do we have? 160,000 layoffs, uh, in the greater Houston area for oil and gas. So Terrible. clearly, yeah. uh, we're going to have some, uh, members leave, but we've been able to gain a lot of new members. And what we see in our leadership sees is a opportunity to pivot the petroleum club, uh, not just a place for events and to take people for lunch and, uh, and drinks, but as a workspace, uh, I think what we're saying some of my friends in commercial real estate, people are working from home and they're going to continue to work from home for a long time. But some people don't want to stay home all day. A lot of wives want to kick their husbands out. <laughs> so where are you going to go? My wife included. Yeah. <laughs> my wife included. She was just like, oh, when are you, when are you getting your ass back to work now? It's uh, enough's enough. It's, I mean, I agree with you. There's so many people that I know that are in positions where, I mean, you're at home and a lot of guys that either have kids or they have, you know, wives, girlfriends, you know, girls have boyfriends or whatever. It's, everybody kind of wants to get out. Nobody wants to be stuck at home. Sure. And I agree with you kind of the petroleum club. It sounds like the perfect mix, but I guess, how do you mitigate? And I'm kind of, I'm being devil's advocate here. How do you Please. mitigate the, 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 you know, actually having a, a brick and mortar office that, you know, kind of, you can kind of walk into and it has a little bit more of the professional feel. How do you kind of mitigate. And I mean, personally, I would much rather be at the petroleum club than at meeting at somebody's office. So I think there is definitely something to be said about that, but how do you, I guess, mitigate from the fact that if you're meeting with, uh, lawyers or bankers or, or you know, somebody who just, you know, they want to see who you are, right? Let's say, you know, you're trying to close a deal or something like that. And you want to, you know, I guess, uh, somebody wants to see, you know, are you real? Do you have an office? Do you have staff or stuff like that? How do you, I guess, mitigate that? Is it, is it, is well, it possible? People, yeah. For some people that might work at a company and the company allows them to work remotely. I think it's a shoe in of a, of a space because for example, a friend of mine spends $1,200 a month on a remote, like a, a workspace, a shared workspace. Uh, it's pretty much almost the same thing at the petroleum club, but for a lot less, you know, you're spending like 200 ish dollars a month, the membership of the petroleum club. And you can also use it. Uh, as a business, uh, not just meeting place, but to, to work and you get to run in. I think for me, a big part of life is meeting people, meeting the sure. right type of people, developing relationships. Uh, and I think that's my favorite part of the club are the, not just the real friends that I've been able to meet uh, over the, over the years that are very close to me, but just also um, people in business and whether they're a lawyer, nobody likes lawyers, but it's no one. They're okay. Nobody likes lawyers. And, uh, I, we have, we have lawyers and I don't want to, I don't want to disparage any of our lawyers because we have a, a, a lot of them. Of course. But well, uh, one of my favorite, my lawyer, Rachel Reese, Rachel Reese associate, she's the best and she's a uh, young oil and gas law killing it right now. Shout out Rachel Reese. Yeah, she's the best. So uh, she's helped me get out of a lot of trouble. That's always <laughs> good, man. You want your lawyer to kind of be there. It's one of those things where 
I, I mean, I realize this with our lawyers as well, is that, you know, a lot of the time you don't want them kind of getting involved. I, I've told this to them, I'm like, don't get involved in kind of the business discussions and stuff like that, because you guys just make everything a lot worse. Oh, but then when something actually happens and you're like, you know, well, I don't know, man, look at that part of the JOA or go do this. And you're like, I'm happy they're there to kind of watch my so back. So, yeah, so it's, it is, it's it one is of those funny. people that you, you pay and you just love paying them. You'd really do your job so well. That's it. I'm so happy to write this check. That's <laughs> it, man. That's, that's that's the type of people I like to be around. That's the type of people you want to be um, around because but, there's so many checks you have to cut mm, that you're just like, why, why am I paying that person? Exactly. But yeah. So back yeah. to your original question, some companies that have to have a brick and mortar place, I totally understand that. Um, but nowadays with technology, people, I think people can get away with a little bit more, but mm -hmm. a lot of those companies still have offices, but they might shrink, which is happening right now. And they'll allow their employees to, work elsewhere as long as they're getting their work done. But for an entrepreneur, uh, we don't always need offices. Uh, we can That's work, true. We can work in a lot of different places. Uh, the Petroleum Club has a vision we're building for the next few years. We're going to have our 75-year anniversary coming up. Uh, this it's been that year. long? Yeah. Wow. I know. Amazing, right? That is amazing. And so we're, we're, gonna, we're working right now. The board is working to create our vision. What does the next 75 years look like? Or the next 10 or 20 and so I think you're going to see some really exciting things coming out of the club. Uh, it's just a great place to be. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> the events are phenomenal. We have an event coming up. We're going to be golfing inside the club. Uh, wow. Yeah, we partner up with the Yacht Club a lot, Houston Yacht Club a lot. Uh, but the young professionals, the people under 40, the club is growing really fast, and that's really exciting. That is exciting, man. That that sounds, that sounds really cool. Um, that's kind of the... Um, I don't want to say antithesis of what I thought. So I think I mentioned this. I went to the petroleum club in Calgary in what was it? 2019. Um, and it was and obviously Calgary and was, is a much different environment than Houston. It, their prices are, are a lot more depressed and it was, it was a tougher, it was a tougher scene. And I, I remember going in there and it was, it was a sad scene, man. I was like, this is not a good representation of not just the petroleum club, but of oil and gas. It was, and I kid you not, this actually happened. I was sitting there and there was this guy. I mean, this guy must have been 200 years old and he could barely, he could barely walk. He could barely talk. And he was drinking cold soup. Like he wasn't using a spoon. He would pick it up and he would slurp it. And I was just sitting there and it was almost like, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. I'm like, it, this guy should be, you should get an award for just being alive right now. And I remember hearing him and he just said, he was talking to somebody across from him and he said, do you know what I love about this place? And this is not a representation of the petroleum club. I know it isn't, but this is what he said. You know what I love about this place is that they don't let women inside of here. And that's literally what he said. And I was, do they not? Over no, there no, no, they do. Oh, okay. They do. Like, he just, he was, so, he was, he was definitely from a different era. He was uh, probably a old misogynistic uh, guy that just did it, he was, dude, the guy was drinking cold soup. I mean, that's just, he's in his own world. He man. was, he was definitely in his own oh, world and, and, and more power to him for living that life as long as he did. But that's a, a, uh, an issue that I think a lot of clubs, uh, have to deal with because a lot of the clubs in Houston and not just the Petroleum club, but golf courses too, have a long time, long history of not letting certain people in. Oh, I got kicked uh, out of the, the river Oaks country club. You got kicked out. I got kicked out. So I was there for a, uh, a golfing tournament. I, it was a charity event, right? So I was there and I'm not a big golfer, right? So I went there. Uh, it was best ball and a few guys on our team were pros. 
And it was just, I got invited by somebody. So I went there. I just thought it would be a fun time. And I went, it was in the middle of summer, right? And I went in a, a, a t-shirt or not a t-shirt, a polo shirt. And I have tattoos on my arms, right? Oh, and yeah. they were like, hey, sir, can you go to the pro shop and, you know, buy yourself a long sleeve shirt? And then I was like, no, I'm like, it's hot. I don't want, I don't want to. <laughs> it's used to. And then they were just like, and then the manager was like, listen, we'll, we'll gift you one, right? We have no problem. I didn't get the sense of, too much. I, I want to be like, oh, this is racist, this is racist. And I, I kind of hate the people who just kind of just scream racist for everything. But I was like, man, I don't want to. I'm like, it's hot. I don't, I really don't want to. And the manager was pretty cool about it. He was like, come on, man. He's like, he's like, it's, it's a rule. He's like, if you got tattoos or he's like, even if you had piercings, I'd have to ask you to cover those up. And he's like, it makes certain guests uncomfortable and this and that. And I'm just like, Dude, come on. Are you serious? And he was he was cordial about it. Well, I've heard that many times, actually. Some of my friends have gone there with tattoos. And they've had to I, buy I, a shirt. So I literally saw so I was just like, you know what? I'm OK. And uh, so, yeah, my dad lives like uh, a couple blocks away. So I just I just went to his house and I waited for them to get done. And then I went back and uh, uh, I was at the reception area and it was fine. But apparently you can't golf uh, with uh a short sleeve shirt if you have tattoos. So you're right. There is well, at the Petroleum Club we have a golfing event. It's gonna be nice putt putt event. <laughs> Lots of drinks. You can wear whatever shirt you want <laughs> as long as it has a collar. Uh, and you can show off your tattoos, oil them up, make them look really nice. Okay, deal. I will. I'm gonna come uh, in with baby oil all over me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the thing. A lot of things. I think the Petroleum Club has been at the forefront of changing rules in the last decade. Yeah, it used to be only tie. Now you don't have to wear a tie. It used to be only jacket. Now you don't have to wear a jacket. Uh, for dinner, you do. But if you're going for lunch or to the bar, you don't. Uh, so the bar is much more relaxed. Uh, you know, jeans, business casual. The Coronado um, Club is really strict. I've been it? in there a few I've times. I've been there a few times. And I went for a, it was a black tie event, right? Oh, and I remember somebody actually a legitimately wore a black tie. It wasn't like a tuxedo. It wasn't like a bow tie. They wore a black tie and they wouldn't let them in. Wow. And like they'll check. And because I thought I actually didn't realize that you guys allow cigar smoke inside because they always kind of tout themselves as we're one of the only places where you can smoke cigars indoors. Yeah, the Coronado Club on the inside is just old. It is. It's really, really old. old. It's really old. They're not even competing with us. Uh, the Petroleum Club is always trying to. I guess what and it's dark in better, there too. Yeah, it's so dark. The Petroleum Club is yeah. No. The, the, the Petroleum Club has a view. The yeah, Petroleum yeah. Club does not. We have an amazing view of Houston, all in different directions. Uh, it's 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 really beautiful. Uh, our our rooms, our private rooms, are really nice. They don't allow women in there. They the actually Coronado Club. I don't think they allow. Uh, no, I think they do. Oh yeah, no, yeah. okay. I'm I'm yeah. just saying that because there was no women at this event that we went. That to. might have just been a man's only event. I don't know, but I've been there plenty of times where there's been a lot of women. Okay. So, all right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak. I don't know anything about the Coronado club, but I can talk about the Petroleum club. We have okay, all deal. types of women in okay, good. <laughs> everybody. Uh, and unless the Petroleum club, it does have to fight some of those, uh, I guess, ideas that people have. Oh, it's men only misogynist, old Petroleum like that. That's kind of become a bad name, unfortunately. Uh, but I, the industry's why. gotten that name. Yeah. Now. The whole industry. And it's the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. some of the smartest people I know are women. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, and our, our board of the Petroleum Club is full of all different types of people, men, women, uh, successful in so many different areas of not just the petroleum industry, but just uh, we have bankers and lawyers. We have a, a lot of really uh, successful people uh, of all different skin colors and types. I mean, the Petroleum Club, I really do believe, is setting itself up for success uh, in the next coming years. 
because what we're going to have in a lot of these clubs, I mean, you can walk up to pretty much any country club right now. It's the best time to be a member and trying to just tell them your price because they're having such a hard time getting new members. For some reason, our generation doesn't necessarily see that as a value added because yeah. you have to remember country clubs were started mostly uh, in the 50s and 60s as a way for people to, oops, sorry. No, I thought that was me. No, don't worry about it. To, to put, that's actually John Stroud right now calling me. John Stroud, Stroud Exploration. He's the guy that <laughs> told me to listen to your podcast. And that he's the reason we're here right now. Hey, man, shout so, out John. Yeah, shout out John Stroud. <laughs> he's the best. He's one of the uh, old school guys still doing it. I um, know John Stroud. Why do I know his name? I know, I know. he puts him. together great prospects. Yeah, I think that's, that's, what, that's probably what it is because I know John. Uh, but yeah, so I, I forgot you on what I was talking about. I think called. <laughs> no, no, it's the, the country clubs and uh, oh, the so kind the of the clubs concept. started is because going out to eat wasn't a really big thing in the 50s and 60s. You, you know, that was a rare treat. Sure, going yeah, to yeah. the country club was where you met people uh, that worked or the same level of you, socioeconomic. And now that's totally different. Now you and I can go to anywhere for lunch, breakfast, exactly, dinner. Yeah. Going out is a whole different experience. So clubs seem kind of stuffy, old. And what you see is a lot of the memberships are older. So a lot of these country clubs are having a really big problem. They're asking for a lot of money from their older members to stay alive because for some reason our, our generation just doesn't necessarily want or see the need to be a part Dude, of it. Us? And I, I, Jeff, I actually don't know how old you are. I'm technically a millennial. I'm 30 years old. And Young gun. I'm 33. You're 33? Yeah. Dude, shut up. You're like, <laughs> you're like half a year older than me. And you're just like, you look like you're in your early 20s, man. First Thanks. of all, I, I'm not to make Moisturize you uncomfortable. Daily. Yeah, I was going to say, very <laughs> handsome, Jeff. Very you handsome. I, I've, I've, I need to go kill it out there. Oh wait, you're married. I'm married. Wow. I'm married. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm married. I'm going to leave that to you, man. All the, all the female listeners, they can, they can uh, hit up Jeff. Um, but it's, it's us millennials, in my opinion, really kind of ruined uh, the food scene in Houston and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Because if you look at it, any new restaurant that opens, it's got maybe a 12 month window of being cool and hip and like everybody wants to be there and be seen there and all that fun stuff. And then we're just kind of, I mean, we just wait for the new hot, you know, flavor of the week. And to have a place that you can actually call home that you kind of go to, you sit down and you can actually kind of go back and forth and you know, you can be there, you know, the people you're going to see there. Um, you know, one thing, actually, I got to ask this now because this actually got brought up to me by somebody else, um, not at the petroleum club, but at a similar type club. And he was, he's one of my, he was one of my buddies and he's, he's a black guy. And he's just like, how do you deal with being colored? And I mean, I'm colored technically. I can, I'm just not as socially awkward. I can pretty much talk to anybody. Right. Um, and he was a socially awkward guy. And he's like, I, I go to this club and he's a smart, wealthy young guy. And he's like, I want to meet people and I want to network. I just have a hard time kind of doing it. Right. And how do I kind of get out there and, you know, go to a petroleum club and just start talking to people? And, you know, and I'm like, dude, there's probably events, there's probably mixers, there's probably stuff that you can probably hit up and you can probably talk to people. What do you tell to people like that? That is that, he a member of a club right now? No, he's no. not because he, he, I think he tried it out. He's from, he's from Fort Worth. So, you know, anybody well, I won't from, hold that against him. That's I will. I will. That's <laughs> yeah, Fort Worth, Dallas. I mean, you guys, you know, whoever's, you know, if you guys don't like it, stop listening. I, no, actually, I don't want any listeners from Dallas or Fort Worth. Stop listening right now. Hard um, line. <laughs> um, I would tell them to come in. I would say, "You give them my number. Let's let's go to the club. I'll treat them to some cocktails." Okay, deal. Let's I'm go. gonna I'm gonna tell them. I'm actually gonna tell them next time he's downtown. I would say the best thing for uh, people like that is to, sh to show up, uh, contact me, and let's go. Uh, so how I, many I know I've never I, I personally 
I don't know anybody at the club that has echoed that sentiment. Uh, we have a lot of. That's an amazing vast, thing, then. We have a uh, totally different group, I think, than maybe some clubs. Um, I, I really don't know what to say. Just come with me. I'll show you. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to tell them that's yeah, see, I think number. that's, that's the perfect thing, man. It's like you're that, that kind of hands-on approach that the older generation, I wouldn't see that from them. Right. They'd no. be like, Oh no, they, they'd probably find a cop on that. And you're openly like, Hey, listen, let's, let's attack it head on. Let's meet. Let's let me show you what, uh, what it actually can be. That's I, I really he feels like that. that way after being there for a little while, he'll let me know. I'll drag the person out. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. I like that, man. I like roll. that. That's that's how we roll. I, I like that's, that. That's the future. Yeah. So you you were go away. yeah exactly. So you were raised around oil and gas. You were mentioning. Yeah. So your father, Dr. I guess, Dr. James Allen, uh, one of the, the fathers of AVO. Uh, he was one of the people leading people that brought AVO from offshore to onshore. Uh, he started a number of successful oil and gas companies. Uh, Main and Mertz is one of them uh, with uh, Michael Puzio. Michael Puzzi is one of the best geologists there is. Um, he's also my godfather. I was very lucky. Okay. Uh, he also started uh, Sovereign Oil and Gas, um, JL Allen Exploration Ventures, and then Allen Hoffman Exploration with Paul Hoffman. Uh, and that was his last company. Now he just started. My dad has retired three times. But you know he what? still he just started another That's, another venture. You he know doesn't what? stop. My it's dad in is, the blood. It's it's I don't think I don't think that generation knows how to stop. And I don't think I'd want them to stop. Like my father still, like he obviously doesn't come into the office as much, and but he'll still come in, check up on everything, just wants to get his rundown. But a lot of the time now he'll even tell you he's like, I don't want to come in here and work. I just want to come in here and just kind of chit-chat, right? Yeah. And, you know, if you talk to some of the, the, the old guard that kind of dealt with them probably 20 years ago, they're just like, Yusuf, you have no idea, man. The, your dad was a force to be reckoned with. Oh, sure. And I was, I used I loved to loved his book, by the way. Thank I, you, I got halfway through it. Thank I love you. it. I love the story. I just love that he wrote a book. My dad wrote a book too, but it wasn't about his life. It was like a, a fiction book. But it was really good. I'm going to have to and read your dad's book. It's, it's really good. It's, my dad's very creative. That's, um, that's super cool. So this, that, that's like speaking of what I've read through in the book, it's, it's people that just do. Yeah, exactly. And they just go, go, go. And they turn, like I said earlier, everything into an opportunity. And uh, my dad had a lot of downtime uh, when it, uh, during different parts of his life. And he always creates something. Uh, he had a, he needed a kidney. Uh, and my mom was actually the donor. My mom gave him a kidney. It's a wow, phenomenal man. love story right there. Shout out Mama Al. Yeah, there's a Hallmark story for you right wow, there. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, and um right after that COVID happened. So he was immune suppressed is still, and COVID was very serious for him and my mom. Sure. Absolutely. And so they moved out to the ranch, which is near Giddings, Texas on the way to Austin. Okay. And he just became a little cowboy. He is a cowboy. He's from Wyoming. <laughs> he grew up on a farm. Both my parents did. They both know hard work and he's just the cutest guy ever. <laughs> he's just doing, he's buying like, you know, equipment and John Deere tractors and tearing up the land. And, oh, that's uh, so funny, man. So, that's awesome. Yeah. And then in doing that, he also was working out there and started a new, uh, uh, oil and gas venture. So oil and gas ventures. I mean, that's, I now's just, the time. I'm going to say that for anybody, any naysayer out there, if you're not going in on oil and gas right now, you're crazy. Maybe not so much oil, gas for sure you know what i was we had a conversations here pre this polar vortex arctic bs <laughs> that we had you know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about it like very you know strongly and it was a conversation and my dad was the one that actually started and he's like we need to start thinking about 
alternative energy. We have to start thinking about what is alternative energy going to look like and all that kind of fun stuff and yada, yada, yada. My pops were still 20 years from that. And he's just like, well, 20 years is going to show up pretty damn quick. And he's like, so you need to start pivoting right now. So it was kind of something we started looking into. And then as soon as that vortex hit, and then obviously there's no natural gas anywhere in Texas. I remember I was, my dad's house had a generator. My house was shut down, my siblings house. So we all huddled up at my dad's house. And I remember asking my dad, I'm like, what do you think now? And he's just like, Oh no, no, we're, we're oil and gas is here for a while. <laughs> he's like, this is obviously it'll, it'll show. He's like, we got, he's like, and until I'm alive and he's like, and until you're alive, he's like, you're good. So he's like, you might need to worry about your son. But, uh, um, other than that, he's like, you should be, you should be fine. But it's, um, it's, I don't think oil and gas is going anywhere. And I, I, I think environmentalists want to scream it from the rooftops that, you know, clean renewable energy is great. And that's the only way that we'll have a future, which I think there is absolutely a future in that. But I think eliminating fossil fuels is such a it's such an asinine concept right now that I just don't agree with it. I I I feverishly and disagree with it. Unfortunately, and more power to them. That's how they have to sell. I mean, they're marketing an idea. And yeah. Most of the time, when you market an idea, you want to scream it as loud as you can. You may take a hard stance, and that's just it's marketing one hundred and one. Yeah. Uh, so I don't fault them for that, but their message is incomplete. Uh, global warming will show that, or climate change in general, will show that oil and gas is the best and preferred use of turning your lights on and turning your heat on or turning your air conditioning on, uh, period. I think people in Houston, Texas figured that out. Yeah, <laughs> And they seriously. went without power for a week or more. Uh, I actually loved the freeze. I can't complain. I had an amazing time. Uh, you had an amazing time. Yeah, I got to know so what, was, what was your freeze experience? What a- uh, I, I, it was just, I got to spend time with an amazing friend and uh, we just got to spend a week together. It was really nice. I didn't have to work. I, my phone was off. My phone didn't work for three days. Okay. I thought that was going to be bad, but uh, it was actually really good. Okay, great, man. Great. Um, I'm, I'm happy you had a great experience. I was, so yeah, this was building that we're in right now, we we're the landlord here as well. We had, Pipes burst. No. You probably when you yeah, walked in, you saw it's 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 been a it's been a pain. But it's it was luckily that our uh, my house was fine. Uh, my dad's house, all of our siblings' houses were fine. I think there was you know a few pipes bursted here and there, but nothing major. So we kind of got out of it scot free. But there was some neighbors, man, who got out, and there was some guys like like yourself that were just like, man, we loved it. It was we just kind of shut off and whatnot, and you know just we kind of enjoyed ourselves. Um, and that's. So I guess your father kind of was a trailblazer. So tell me about, I guess, let's hear your story now. Let's sure. hear the uh, the growing up in oil and gas to, are you born and raised Houston? Or are you? Houston. Okay. Thank uh, my God. Mom, thank I, God. I, I, I hope you weren't going to say like I was born in Dallas and I was going to no, be like, no. oh, Jeff. No, no. Uh, my mom is from upstate New York, uh, right around near Syracuse. My mom, my dad is from Wyoming. They okay. met here in Houston. My dad worked for Exxon and went out on his own back in the eighties and uh killed it i mean that's he had a rough road like everybody uh which i'm following in their footsteps uh being an entrepreneur in oil and gas is very hard yeah very hard i've gone broke tons of times (laughs) if you haven't you haven't done it right you haven't done it like just don't talk to me (laughs) go drill more wells then what did you yeah seriously so uh basically i've worked for a number of different companies i have my degree in geology i did that for about a decade I've worked for Weiser Brown Operating, um, Snake River Oil and Gas, uh, Ulta Mesa, a few other companies I consulted with. I worked with Boise State uh, 
Professor Emeritus Dr. Spencer Wood to help make Idaho the 35th producing state in North America. It's a phenomenal story. That could be a whole podcast in itself. Wow. Okay. We're going to have to do that again. It's awesome. Uh, And in 2016, we had a drop in price. You know, everybody was going crazy. I think it went down to what, $23. And uh, my partner now, Mike Jones, Charger Exploration, the best geologist out there for South Texas Frio, period. Nobody's even close to him. Wow. And I can say that with complete confidence because I have the data to back it up. Okay. He's a young guy, a and I don't hold it against him, though. <laughs> uh, great guy, just like me. His dad was in the industry, and he started uh, slipping logs as a young kid, just like me. And thankfully, because of the companies I was working at, I got to see how everything worked, not just geology, land, putting deals together, the business sure, side yeah, of it. Yeah. And that's what I love. I'm pretty much a crazy person. I can't just do one thing. And I'm reading all the time, different disciplines. I just, I just love to know and, and figure things out. So at Allen Hoffman Exploration, they would put 3Ds together. They would shoot the 3D drill, blah, blah. I got to see how it all worked. So when the prices dropped, I said, well, service companies are going bankrupt. Um, now we could probably shoot a really cheap 3D. Mike Jones, uh, where we are on the same board of SIPES, which is a society for independent uh, oil and gas guys. So if you buy and sell deals or working interests, that's the organization to be a part of, which we actually have a speaker this Thursday, Ken, uh, Dr. Ken Medlock from, from Rice, coming to talk about the freeze. So we do monthly luncheons and different meetings. But uh, I told him, hey, I know you've got a big idea in South Texas. Um, let's go do it. Let's go shoot that 3D. Everybody thought we were crazy. We were actually at the Petroleum Club at their annual networking events, like the biggest, best event of the year. If you don't go to it, I'm sorry. It's a lot of fun. What about Nape? Is it better than Nape? Yeah, way better than Nape. Okay. I don't even like Nape anymore. <laughs> I can't deal with Nape. Nape is too much. You know, Nape, I don't even hit the floor anymore. The yeah, only exactly. thing I go Thank for, you. yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't hit the floor. The exactly. You go for the parties and because nobody wants to be on the floor. Everybody mm-hmm. is trying to either get to... Um, they're trying to get to the parties or they're trying to, they're trying to have a good time. Mostly most yeah. people aren't there, but I've actually gotten deals done at Nate, which were surprisingly, yeah. I know they say where deals happen. I'm probably one of the only people, like one of five Smart. people I know that actually uh-huh. have gotten deals done at Nate. So, so I'm pretty proud of that. That's, yeah, that's good. So, uh, he and I were actually at the Patron club drunk and I, uh, we agreed handshake deal old school, uh, to raise this money. Let's handshake do it. Let's deal. I love it. So we spent time, uh, cause I, I, I was, I was working for had folded at the time, like many at that time, just decided to retire. And then uh, we raised $6 million. It took us 300 days exactly to raise the $6 million. Everybody told us not to do it. Even my dad said, this is dumb. Don't do this. <laughs> Go get a job. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good. I'll make this happen. So we had a 60 square mile 3D uh, in South Texas near Corpus. Uh, we are going for Frio. My senior pitch was, all right, prices are low. How do you get more for your expiration dollars? Today, how do you benefit yourself? So when prices do come back up, you're killing it. And we, our pitch was prices will be $55 by the time we actually drill. So we had to lease, permit, sure. shoot, and then drill. And we had a bunch of lead prospects. And we thought, you know, if you're, you don't want to drill a well for one target, most of these wells out here have five targets on average. Uh, so it was a really low risk play. It was something you could put your money into and take advantage of the market or the swing. And then I think the day we were producing our first well, I think oil got up to 61 or something it was there for like a second, but it, it was a peaked and we looked really smart, but that was all luck. Sure. 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 Uh, but if, I mean, anybody only gas is mostly luck. Man. Yes, it is. It's absolutely luck. Yeah. That's why we want to drill in a place with multiple pay zones. Yeah. yeah you never sure. know which one's going to work. So um, uh, Mike Jones, charger exploration, Ryan price, Poco LLC. He's the best engineer out there. 
for operations because he's young. He really knows what he's doing. This is the kind of guy you want on your team as an operator. He will save money at every single corner, which is amazing. Most operators will just bill you like crazy. Sure, yeah, yeah. He is a one-man shop. He's, he's really good. So I'm, I'm very happy and very blessed with the type of people I have around me and the team we've built. And we just want to run and gun. We have a huge um, huge vision for what we want to achieve as young guys in this industry. We want to be, you know, the changing of the guard, so to speak. So I want to talk about that because that's when, you know, when me and you first started talking is that it's, it's, it is the changing of the guard. Now I really believe that there is a changing of the guard. I think the, the old guard is kind of, I don't want to call them the retiring now, but they're kind of, they don't have the same energy that we do. Exactly. They're kind of like, well, listen, this is kind of, you know, we're kind of done and you know, they're kind of, you know, leading us kind of off to where, wherever we want to go now. And there is a big, big presence. And I mean, digital wildcatters is a perfect example of it, right? Like what they're doing, I think is fantastic. And I think there's so many people that are kind of jumping on board of what they're doing They're, I, I frankly think their, their, their model and everything. It's, it's genius. It's great. I love what they're doing. And that's kind of what I, I enjoy working with them as well, but there is a, a serious changing of the guard. There is a different vision of these younger people kind of coming in. And you mentioned, I don't want to butcher it. You're, President of Society of Young? Uh, Sipes. Uh, well, uh, Sipes. Sipes is an organization that's been around forever, like 70 something years. It was started way back in the day when there were everybody had a deal. Everybody and their mom had a sure. deal. So Sipes was started as a group that was built on ethics. So we, we get a rubber stamp, we still do, and you stamp your prospects with your Sipes number. That means this is a more ethical person. So it was a big deal back in the day. And there's tons of stories of that. Cause there was a lot of shysters on the industry. That's where we get like the bad reputations. Like, sure. Oh man, that's where it happened decades ago. So Sipes is a group of people that are independents. They buy and sell deals. I want to be in a room. I, I've been very active in HGS and APG and, and all these other organizations, but I focus all my time on people that help me business wise and I can help them. Sure. So if you walk into a sites meeting, you're going to be surrounded by people that own their own company are drilling a well right now, or you're trying to raise money. We raised $6 million. I think four point some, let's say 4.5 4. of that came from Sipes members. So okay. uh, it is a great network of people that understand the business, uh, understand what you're trying to achieve and genuinely want to help you. And they put their own money in their deals. So we've, we've had some- 6 million in under a year for, uh, it was an undeveloped project, right? Yeah. Shooting a new 3d dude. That is impressive. That's impressive to get that much money that, that quickly. It's, it's impressive because there's a lot of people can't, can't get that money that quick. I right. mean, it's, yeah. it's, um, so it's right now, like, right, right now I'm raising 40. So Hey man, <laughs> good. six to 40, you gotta go, go big, go big or go home. Coach always said that. Go, go big or go home. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big believer in go big or go home because yeah. it's, um, I mean, if somebody actually recently said it in, uh, one of our bankers is that it's so much harder to do a $10 million deal than it is to a hundred million dollar deal because the $10 million deal has essentially all the same basics of a hundred million dollar deal. But on a hundred million dollar deal, the operator and the bank are the financier you're married, right? You're in it together because you're taking a big jump, right? And $10 million, you can kind of, you can always kind of have that. Eh, we can write it off. I don't really care. So, but I don't want to write it off. So it's always like you, you kind of care about it a lot more, but at a hundred million dollars, you are very invested in their success. Right. And it's, it's a lot different. So it's, it's I learned that in 2018, I was trying to raise 10 million. I think it was 12 actually. And the people we were talking to 
we're interested in the project. I said, well, it's just too small. It's too small. Yeah, we exactly. Want at least 50. I was like, okay, next day. I just ramped it up. I was like, here's how we make 50 work. And uh, it's, it, you're right. There's certain people out there. I mean, if you're going, I don't deal with private equity. I don't really deal with banks. I don't deal with uh, New York. Uh, this is all, we, all of our money was raised by successful individuals, people in oil and gas, independence privately owned companies sure and uh there are people that understand how the business works right so how do you pitch somebody like that give give me the the elevator pitch of how do you go to somebody who has started a successful oil and gas company or a successful they're a successful entrepreneur doesn't have to be oil and gas how do you pitch somebody like that that hey give me 40 million dollars what's give me the elevator depends on the project let's just say we're gonna drill a bunch of yeah bunch of wells in this industry you want to drill as many wells as you can with these few dollars. So what I have for you is a project or a package of deals, drilling opportunities. Instead of going out to Nate and buying one for $5 million, I can take your $5 million and spread it over 30 wells. And our returns are larger then. Okay. Your risk is smaller because in this industry, we're all mitigating risk. One, you mitigate risk by the people you surround yourself with. That's why Sipes is so important. Uh, my partner, Mike Jones, uh, Ryan Price, some other people, Barry Rava, uh, Bill Smith, some uh, some amazing characters in our in our industry that I, I could would trust um, with my house key. You know, just they're they're the greatest people. Um, and you want to mitigate risk by where are you drilling? You know, is this a super wildcat? Is this conventional, unconventional? You want to de-risk it? Geology? Uh, does the person, the geologist, really know this area? Do they can they tell you the story? complete story. Um, and then you want to mitigate your risk by dollars. I don't want to put all of my dollars in one well. That's crazy. I like to put it in packages. So um, you, you want an opportunity to drill as many wells as you can or be carried. So if you can be on the leasing side, yeah, that's even better. And that's what I'm doing right now with the $40 million. We have the largest conventional Gulf Coast um, project there is right now. It's huge. Really? $40 million to lease and get everything drill ready. Uh, when we talk about vision, I knew this in 2018. I saw this happening. Everybody's leaving our industry. The unconventional is now dead for a time being. It's going to come back, but for right now it's dead. Yeah. Um, conventional, we have the age gap. There's not many people like you and I that even know this industry. Most of our uh, peers have been geosteering and doing other things that don't require any real knowledge. And then who's going to be left with all these prospects? There's a ton of geologists that were leaving companies in 2016, 2015, 2017 that still had a briefcase full of prospects and ideas. So what we did is we found the best of the best, and this is kind of their crew to draw. Like, what are your big prospects? So we put them all together. Uh, we've done all the technical work. We've spent uh, over $30 million technically to get where we are right now. And we want to find that smart, contrarian investor when everybody's looking one way. You want to come here, be ready for the upswing, specifically in gas. So everything that we predicted was going to happen with Price or with Biden or, or with LNG in Germany, Russia. I could speak about that forever. I, I gave a talk <laughs> at the Petroleum Club uh, about the state of our industry at the beginning of the year. And basically, you want to be in a position to benefit from the incre- increase in gas prices. And what you would want is to lower your risk. Our prospects are by the best geologists, the people out there that are older, that, that have the experience of drilling wells. They know what they're doing. Yeah, You can... You can get on the leasing side once everything's drill ready, and then you get carried through the drilling program. We're going to drill 30 wells 
in 18 months. Uh, Ralph Dowdy uh, of MacRan fame, partners in drilling, probably the famous, most famous operator there is, uh, is our operator. Uh, this is the vision. I want something big. I, I want to start that new company. And I'm working with a great team of people that have been in this industry for decades. So that's awesome, man. No, that's, I, I, it's, that's a really good pitch. I mean, it's, you want to deal with like-minded people. You wanted to get deals done that kind of make sense and actually make money and whatnot. Um, but I guess I want to kind of end it on, on the note of where is, where, I guess, where's, where's Jeff Allen going next? Is it, is it this, I, 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 what's the end goal? I guess that's, that's my question is that where, where do you want to end this at? Is it, do you want to just be an oil and gas man for the rest of your life? Do you want to, you know, follow in your father's footsteps? Do you want to, what are you looking for? I can't follow in his footsteps. Nobody can. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to do that. That's the best, man. Um, I love this oil industry. Not only do I love America and it's a uniquely American industry. When I was negotiating with landowners and writing them checks and showing them their ownership of minerals, there's no country that allows their citizens to own their minerals and their land the way we do. Yeah. Uh, so I think first, I think I just love being a part of this industry, the characters, the history, it's phenomenal. There's nothing like it. Uh, every day is exciting. It is. It is exciting. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I own a gym, which is not too far from where we are right now. Canon what gym? Canon Fitness. It's down the street from here, actually. Canon Fitness. Yeah, okay. Canon Fitness. Um, so I'm, I've always been an entrepreneur. Like I said, I'm crazy. I got to do a lot of things at once. So what made you buy a gym or start a gym? I've always been working out. I've been a trainer forever. I coached my alma mater's cross country and uh, track team when I graduated college. I've always in some way been fascinated by just helping people be healthy. Uh, I saw my dad have a triple bypass uh, when, uh, when, was that, when I was in college or high school, and I started wanting to learn more about the body. I knew I didn't want to do that full time. It's not my, it's a passion, but it's more of a passion project. It's not my career. Sure. Careers in oil and gas. Um, and I just love the idea, like I said earlier, relationships, meeting new people. My gym offers me, I thought this a long time ago, people go to work, they go to a bar, they hang out. Not my scene. I don't really like bars that much every day. I wanted to open my net to meet as many different people as possible. And my sure. gym allows me to do that. We have some phenomenal people that are my dearest friends of all different walks of life, uh, whether you're successfully in, in business or family life. It's just a really cool thing. And that's what I get excited about life when so many different types of people are together. Uh, a quick antidote. We went to a, a friend of ours is back from Finland and we all went to, I don't even remember the name. We went to some bar and we had 13, I think people with us at our table and you look around most of the tables, everybody looks exactly the same, which is cool. But our table was every single type of person you can imagine. I just <laughs> love it. I just, I wanted to hug everybody. I'm, I just wanted to drink all night. Uh, that's what <laughs> makes me excited about life. And that's what I love about the oil industry is people want to think it's just, old white dudes and in the eighties, I mean, it was all yeah. white people. Uh, now it is not that. Yeah. It's, it's really uh, diverse. It's changed now. a lot. And the petroleum club, I think is a great example of that. If you walk in there, you're not just going to see the same person. You're not going to see a bunch of chads, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's good. So man. Where, That's where good. I'm going is I want to position myself to be the next uh, big player in oil and gas. And that's what this project is going to do. We're turning 40 million into a couple billion showing people how conventional uh, has been done, as you know. I mean, your dad did it. Yeah. no, uh, it's, and you have Right across the street was that Goldson, right? Yeah. Yeah, they know what's up. Those <laughs> are the old companies, but honestly, they're all fading away. They are. They are. So it's, name me a, a, an old family, aside from you, because you've got, you've got guns that's running and gunning hard. 
most people are sitting back, they're tired, yeah. they're retired. Uh, they don't have that same grit as they used to. A lot of these younger generation or these companies who had family offices, a lot of the, the, the younger families, uh, they're not as interested in running these, running these businesses or offices because they're, it's not, I wouldn't say it's easy work. It's, it's exciting work, but it's not as easy as just kind of, you know, going to Hawaii or, you know, flying to a <laughs> visa. On, and, just, and on top of that, if they were going to start up, who would they hire? Yeah. They're not going to hire me. I don't work for anybody. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I work with they're, you. But uh, that's the problem is that you look at back in the day when they started their companies, there was tons. Yeah. You wanted the best, you found them, you hired them. But this industry is getting smaller. And that's why I think it's important. Sipes as an organization, SipesHouston.org. I want us to stay together. Uh, I, I try to make it my job to know everybody in our industry and what they're doing and why they're doing it. And is there any way we can mutually benefit each other? Um, I think the Petroleum Club is a great place to be. Uh, and Sipes is a great organization to be part of. Like I said, people in Sipes are buyers and sellers of deals. It's a very unique group. That's awesome, man. Well, much success to you, man. I hope you are all the best in your future endeavors. And I know this isn't going to be obviously the last time that we're getting, getting together. We're going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'll see each other. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you at the petroleum club That's very soon. Right now. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll see you there very soon. And uh, thanks for coming on brother. Absolutely. Next time we talk about zombies. Next time it's about zombies. <laughs> Shout out Chuck Yates. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks.